Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. I trust you are well and thus far have avoided COVID-19. Heck, nobody wants to get sick, especially in the middle of a pandemic, but quite frankly, So many of us at middle age, myself included, don't think much about diet, exercise, adequate sleep, and other steps necessary to rev up our immune systems until news about potential consequences of not doing so reaches a fever pitch. And uh, I think we could say it has in the recent months. And frequently for years, many of us have been exposing ourselves to life-threatening diseases that have nothing to do with COVID-19, catastrophes like stroke, heart attack, type 2 diabetes, cancer, uh, kidney malfunction, even dementia. So how about you? Wouldn't you like to know about life-saving actions you can take, regardless of current age and health, to help you avoid these and many other preventable diseases? Also learn about essential wellness screens and when you take them, what your own health numbers reveal. And my next guest, health and nutrition guru, Angelin Aldacio Holtz, is here to answer these questions and to discuss life-saving diet and lifestyle changes that can raise your immunity, not just against coronavirus, but against other deadly diseases as well. Better yet, these same lifestyle habits will nurture your brain and body and will have a major positive impact on your quality of life. And before I introduce her, here are Angela Aldalcio's Holtz's bio. She's a widely respected clinical medical technologist and a health coach. She born and grew up in the Caribbean island of Trinidad, surrounded by a wonderful variety of fresh whole foods that she included in her meals and snacks, including fresh fruit from her backyard. And she switched her lifestyle quite a bit because she now lives in the suburb of Chicago where the winters aren't quite so mild. And as she advanced her studies and research, she became convinced that sound nutrition, along with other factors, is essential to avoid disease and attain optimal health. And she's author of the acclaimed 2019 book, Beyond Your Numbers, Connect the Pieces to a Path of Amazing Health. And hello, Angela. Great to have you here in our program, especially now when so many are focused on COVID-19 and on health in general. Hi, Roy. I'm delighted to be here. I'm happy that you're well, and we're both doing well also. Hope the listeners are also. 
Yeah, let's begin with the bad news. Let's say you're in your late 40s or early 50s, work at a sedentary office job, currently pursue an unhealthy diet, are 25 pounds or more overweight, and your only exercise is the daily walk from the company parking lot into your office. Is it too late for you? Are you destined for early onset of disease, and perhaps including a premature death, or is there still hope for better health? Well, there's definitely hope for better health. We have been given a body by our maker that is so resilient and filled with something called the immune system that fights off a lot of diseases. Um, there's hope. Just just a few things that people need to become aware of, and they can get themselves back on that path well, to regaining a healthy body. Well, in your book, Beyond Your Numbers, you tell us that attaining and maintaining a healthy status can be compared to connecting the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Will you please identify for us the four major aspects of our lives that need to be addressed to form an umbrella of protection, as you call it? Sure. And um, I use that symbolic umbrella just to to make it known that just as how we protect ourselves from the elements with an umbrella, so too with these four pieces that I discovered through research um, can make a difference in our lives. And it begins with nutrition, watching what we eat and learning from the scientists what we need to supply our bodies with can make a difference. Yeah. So nutrition is one <clears throat> it's one item, and then we have exercise. Exercise is vital. I cannot emphasize how vital exercise is. And many people who may not be engaged in daily activities that allow them to be moderately active, sweating at least once a day, doing something, dancing or running or something like that, they're missing out on quite a few things that their body is yearning for. Well, so it's nutrition, it's exercise. Feel like good. <laughs> Pardon me? I said I, I second that heartily because when I go for a jog, I feel much better <laughs> the rest yes. of the day than when I don't. <laughs> Definitely. It, it makes a whole lot of difference. Uh, and then something called another type of nourishment. It's a type of nourishment I learned when I attended the Institute of Integrated Nutrition. That's where I gained my certificate for health coaching. And, and surprisingly, they looked at certain emotional feelings that we acquired during the course of our life through our initiatives give us a certain amount of endorphins that feed our mental stability. And this, too, is important for us as a form of nutrition. Yeah, I don't and think that, anyone is really healthy and in really good spirits if they have a, a job they hate or, you know, some other emotional problem that's uh, gnawing at them all the time. It's very difficult yeah. to have a very healthy life. Definitely, and, and eventually it brings on a certain type of stress that is known as chronic stress mm -hmm. that keeps weakening the immune system. So if we don't stop and look at that and try to correct it, all we, that we do, whether we eat correct, we exercise, that stress will affect our immune system. Yeah. And the fourth thing I discovered was having certain preventive health actions just so that we can gauge our health. Yeah. and get a glimpse inside of our bodies of what's going on. We may look fit, we may feel fit, 
but it's extremely important to have screens with your doctor, which we call sometimes physical screens. And if that is done once a year and you gauge what's going on, you can take control of your health. You can make health a priority in your life. Well, let's get down to where rubber meets the road. The American Heart Association lists seven key risk factors and behaviors that automatically put you at increased danger of cardiovascular disease, i.e. heart attack and strokes. What are these seven factors? Some of them are pretty obvious, like smoking. Yeah. Actually, you hit it right on the button. Smoking is a factor that can affect us, and it when it becomes addictive, definitely help oh. is needed because yeah. if that simple action that it appears as if it's given you pleasure is not stopped, <laughs> it will affect you later on as we age in the 40s or 50s, we'll see the result. Yeah. So those factors, obviously, is, as we said, smoking, it's diet, what yeah. we consume, like I mentioned before. It includes physical activity that you need to do. If you're physically <clears throat> inactive, having a sedentary lifestyle, you can be on the wrong path. And yeah, if you don't stop it, eventually diseases or malfunction of organs will show up. Yeah. Now, also, our genetic inheritance will have a play in this. Yeah. Sometimes we are predisposed to certain diseases, like sometimes type 2 diabetes or even heart problems. Well, and we should never use that as an excuse and say there's no. nothing I can do about this because I'm predisposed to it. <laughs> That's exactly right. What is good about it is to know your family history and then yeah. use your plan to avoid that happening. As a matter of fact, in my family history, there is glaucoma and type 2 diabetes that oh, wow. are showing up. And many times in the past, I would say to myself, how can I avoid getting these diseases? Yeah. And, and through this book and the research I had to do is how I learned what to do. Yeah, age, age is also a factor that can affect us because as we get older, we tend to see the immune system diminishing in its strength. Yeah. However, with exercise and having the right diet and the right type of primary foods, which we call that extra nourishment I talked to you about, can make a difference. You know, one of my favorite chapters in your book is Know Your Numbers, Chapter 2, where you go over the meaning and significance of a number of measures, uh, the lab tests that frequently show up on our wellness screening. And these screens list your reading next to a range of readings and what they mean. Usually I shake my head, although some of them are pretty obvious. Perhaps the most common reading, of course, is blood pressure that consists of two numbers, an upper over a lower, like 120 over 80, and not getting the technicalities of the systolic and diastolic blood pressure. Uh, what is it? I think the ideal, according to the CDC, is 120 over 80 and below. Uh, what, so what is so those, um, those ranges I actually had taken from the life extension research that I had used for this oh, book. It might be slightly different with other uh, scientific places and clinical places, yeah. but this was their ideal that they mentioned that it should be no higher than the 120 over 180 to be 
an ideal blood pressure. Well, now, many times it may go up. It said that uh, every uh, 10 point, 20 over 10 points that you're over those optimals, you know, like doubles your risk of uh, of heart, heart attack. attack. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it, it may seem as a tough goal for some people to get to, but with the simple change in lifestyle habits, you can get there. Yeah. Well, here's another common set of measurement on health screens, the body mass index, or BMI. I know BMI is designed to assess how much fat is in your body, muscle-to-fat ratio, and I won't ask to go into details, but your book includes a mathematical formula that readers can use to determine whether they are obese, overweight, normal, or underweight. What are some of the most likely medical consequences of a measurement over 30 or obese? Well, there's a tendency, and it all depends on your age and exactly what you uh, have in as part of your diet. Diet still comes into play. Activity still comes into play. However, there are times when you would notice that the waste area, that midriff area, seems to be the bulging problem. I know well about that because I experience that all the time. In spite of all the exercise, it may decrease, and then a few weeks or a few months later, it (laughs) bulges again. But the important thing about that, why they emphasize to have that BMI range of below 30, is because of heart problems that can come about. The fact that we have around our waist tend to release certain inflammation chemicals. And the higher the fat content, especially around that area, the tummy area, is what seems to cause the inflammation. Yeah. Well, as an aside, here's how I used uh, the BMI formula contained in your book. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi recently referred to President Trump as morbidly obese. (laughs) And so, based upon available figures from the president's most recent health exam, he stands 6'3 and weighs 243, and his BMI calculates the 30.3, just barely over the minimum 30.0 reading for obese. So I don't think that indicates President Trump is morbidly obese, but for optimal health, he does need to lose a few pounds. Well, you know what? By the time this pandemic is over for for President Trump, he probably would have lost those little extra pounds. (laughs) Probably so. One other common reading is the lipid profile, or LDL. What is low-density lipoprotein, and what is LDL test designed to indicate? So um, the high-density liver... Uh, cholesterol. Are you, is that what you're referring to? The yeah, lipid the, profile? Uh, low density lipoprotein or bad cholesterol. <laughs> right. So many people probably have heard of it being said, did you have bad cholesterol? And yeah. that one is referred to as the LDL. Yeah. And studies have shown that elevated levels of this LDL tend to become oxidized easily. And yeah. that oxidation creates something like a plaque, and that plaque tends to stick to the arteries of the wall. The better lipid protein is the HDL cholesterol. So when blood tests are done, you would like to see a high HDL level. 
versus a high LDL level. Yeah. The LDL level should be low. Your HDL level should be high, and that so is referred to the as the good, good cholesterol. How, how do we get the HDL up and the LDL down? <laughs> yeah, well, there's, again, it goes back to the foods that we are eating. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where um, many people, once they see the correlation between the food and the good cholesterol, the bad cholesterol, they also would, would exercise. The more exercise we do, it tends to raise, raise that level of HDL cholesterol, mm-hmm. which is yeah. the good cholesterol. So once we get the concept, these four concepts or four pieces that I talk about in my book, it becomes easy for everyone to understand and to follow. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, we don't have time to go up, uh, into all of them, but uh, Angela's book contains a whole bunch of other wellness test screens and how to interpret them. It's, it's really useful for a lay person like me that doesn't understand, you know, all these readings that show up on tests. But let's turn to nutrition, the foods we eat, and seeking optimal food consumption. What should be your goal? So... The goal is actually to find your unique balance because genetically, again, we go back to our genes, we might be predisposed to certain types of diseases. Yeah, everybody's balance is different from everyone else, I know you point out. Right. So let me just give you an example because when I found out that the type 2 diabetes run in my family on my maternal side, I started to find out what foods... I needed to stick with in order not to fall into that pre-diabetic type of uh, situation. I decided to even stick on a regular exercise type of um, workout that has been working for me. And because of that, it has helped tremendously. Yeah, I I know you said, and this is so important, you develop long-term healthy eating habits, not crash diets. So you don't have to uh, feel guilty when you deviate occasionally, which is, as you point out, is normal. (laughs) Right. So what I'm trying to say is um, if we, once we understand the concept again, if you can buy the foods, whole foods, and cook for yourself, you have better control of what you put in there. You have better control of how much you want to eat also because there's a tendency when you go out and eat, you'll serve quite a large plate. And if you're not one to separate and say, okay, this is too much for me, this is too much for me, then you tend to eat everything that's on your plate. I'm so thinking not- one restaurant where we go frequently where I divide the meal up into about three portions and I eat them the night yeah. after we go out in the next day <laughs> one Ex- supposed portion <laughs> yes so actually the best thing for the body is to get as much fiber as we can right. from whole fresh foods yeah. lots of fruits and vegetables the american institute of cancer research advocates at least four to five fruits each day i yeah, wonder yeah. how many of us are actually getting four to five fruits a day <laughs> Well, when shopping for groceries, what label do you recommend we begin to read prior to purchasing and serving the product? I know you even have some illustrations in your book. So with the labels that we see in foods, there are two sides to it. You have a side that would give you the ingredients, and then there's another side that actually gives you the nutrition facts. 
So the first thing you want to look at is the very top of that label that shows how many calories per serving you are going to be getting. (laughs) And then the serving is like two crackers and you tend to eat 20 of them. (laughs) What's that? I said a lot of these uh, products, the uh, serving is suggested like two or three crackers, and you tend to start munching and eat about ten of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. But you know how you can avoid that is once you sit down to eat the crackers. Nothing is wrong with eating the crackers. Yes. What you want to do is add something nutritious to the crackers. That's so say, for example, you have an, a salsa or you have an avocado dip or you have a hummus dip. Just restrict yourself to three to five crackers because that's usually the amount that they say you should stick to. And pile on the avocado dip yeah. and pile on <laughs> the hummus. Yeah, so before nice. long, you feel, you know, as if you touch the tummy there with something and not just five crackers. Well, at the very end of your book, you include a very unique item which may be uh, very useful to readers attempting to launch their journey to a healthful yet enjoyable eating. And what is it you include at the end? Made my mouth water just to read some of those. <laughs> you mean the recipes that yeah. I have included? <laughs> yeah, the recipes. These sound really yummy, a lot of them. Actually, the one that is the very best that I like, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback from other people who read the book, was the vinaigrette salad dressing. It is made with olive oil and apple cider vinegar. Those two items are excellent for the heart and excellent for muscles and the brain. And that particular vinaigrette dressing can be used on any food item, whether Ooh. you're having uh, pasta, you can put some on it, salads, uh, if you're having any type of uh, grains. Oh, great. It, my, it's just very tasty. My wife loves vinaigrette dressing. I'll have to show her that. <laughs> the thing about the recipe is that when you first make it, you want to taste as you go along. Yeah. <laughs> because different people have a certain, you know, taste buds that will look for something a little different from others. When I first made it and put it together, I just said, okay, this is what I want more of. So I added more of the vinegar. And then I said I needed some more lime juice. So bit by bit, as you do it the first time or the second time, you will get to your right mixture. Well, where is the best place for listeners to go to preview and purchase your book, Beyond Your Numbers, Connect the Pieces to a Path of Amazing Health? Well, right now it's available on Amazon at Amazon.com. They they can just type in Beyond Your Numbers and it will pop right up. Or they can put in my name, Angela and Dalcio hyphen Yeah. And that will come up. I am working right now. My marketing skills are still getting there, but I'm working on getting them into bookstores. Oh, great. Well, that would be a plus. But anyway, they're easy enough to purchase on Amazon. And I notice especially for the... Uh, Ebook uh, form, they aren't, they don't cost a lot of money, so this is definitely a good investment to make. Well, in conclusion, like so many of you, I have long searched for ways to lose weight and not gain it back, to get in shape, feel better about myself, and improve my overall outlook on life. But there are so many wonder diets out there, and which one should I choose? Also, like me, over the years, I'll bet you've received a number of comprehensive health screening that you didn't really understand. 
Can you recall your most recent blood glucose or your triglyceride or high-density lipid numbers and what these numbers mean for you? Uh, I highly recommend, if you have confusion on that or want to improve your diet, that you uh, consider and Angela Andrasio Holtz's new book, Beyond Your Numbers, and this will get you off the brink of a stroke, heart attack, or type 2 diabetes or other unpleasant uh, diseases you don't want to contact. And uh, remember, it all come, when it all comes down to it, you and only you, with advice from your physician and other health experts, can control your own personal health, no excuses, and the health also of your spouse and your kids if you're the primary feeder in your house or a food preparer in the house. And as Angela puts it, it's never too late to get on a healthy push. And during this pandemic, this is a great time to do so. And thanks to me and Andrea Aldalcio Holtz for your inspiration and best of success and continued uh, success with your book. Thank you, Roy. It was a pleasure talking to you. Well, let me begin this next segment with a question for you. During the extended stay-at-home coronavirus pandemic, have you and your family, if you have one, let clutter creep in? Have you noticed that unwanted clutter is beginning to take over your living and workspace, in turn darkening your spirit and raising your level of stress? Well, I'm talking about clutter like piles of old magazines, unread mail on the kitchen counter, uh, dirty clothes lying on the floor, or closets jam-packed with clothes that you never wear. (laughs) I'm guilty of that for sure. Uh, And if you answered yes, uh, you are not alone, because here's some disturbing statistics. 54% of Americans say they are overwhelmed by clutter in their homes, and 65% say clutter is a huge source of stress. Hard to believe, but a recent University of California study revealed that the average American household has over 300,000 items in it. I don't think we'll get to all those items tonight and use them. (laughs) And I guess you could say that we are a nation in the midst of a clutter crisis. And do you really need all that stuff? And here's more bad news. Our cluttered spaces and lives are cutting, costing us time, money, freedom, energy, focus, and productivity, not to mention our peace of, uh, peace of mind and enjoyment of living. And that's the conclusion of my next guest, interior and lifestyle design expert, Rita Wilkins. And some of you may recall that Rita was a prior guest on our program on March 18, 2019, and here are her outstanding, some of her outstanding qualifications. She's known far and wide as the downsizing designer, and several years ago, Rita herself downsized from a 5,000-square-foot home in the suburbs to an 867-square-foot apartment in Central City, Philadelphia, And in the process, can you believe, she disposed of 95% of her belongings and now lives the lifestyle she loves on the remaining 5%. And as a national speaker and interior design and lifestyle coach, for 35 years, she's helped inspire the lives of thousands throughout the U.S. And she's author of a number one Amazon best-selling book, Downsize Your Life, Upgrade Your Lifestyle, Secrets to More Time, Money, and Freedom. And currently, Rita is offering her six-month online 
hard, the, the cluttering challenge download that we'll talk about today. And hello, Rita Wilkins. Welcome back to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Thank you, Roy. I'm I'm so glad to be back. And actually, I, I love that, that you brought me back at this time because clutter creep, which is not a disease, <laughs> although it, it is kind <laughs> of, like <laughs> um, <clears throat> clutter creep has, is creeping into our homes. You know, now that we are having to spend more time at home, you know, and and for me, <clears throat> maybe it was a little selfish. I created this six-week um, decluttering challenge, um, maybe selfishly because I started to. I live in a tiny apartment. I, I downsized to 867 square foot apartment, and and I'm a really very neat person. But I started to discover I left the mail on the counter, or <laughs> you know, the piles of books um, piling up next to my favorite chair. And, and I said, oh, my goodness, you know, this could get really bad if I let it. And so I just kind of reined it back in and created this, this program that I, I find, I hope is really helpful to people. I'm getting a lot of good feedback because m- more and more people are experiencing, you're spending more time at home, you know, with kids and, and spouses and so forth. And, and if it gets out of hand, it impacts the quality of your life. Yeah, that's, that's a startling revelation that you have. You tell us that clutter in one's living space so often goes along with emotional clutter. And what, in fact, do you mean by the term emotional clutter? Well, you know, when you think about it, um, we probably all, and I don't have a basement anymore, but when I used to have a basement, I had many boxes sitting in yeah. my basement. <laughs> But I had no idea what those boxes were because, you know, it was year after year after year. I'd go downstairs and I'd see them and then, but when you think about it, if you open that box, look in it, deal with it, meaning, you know, get rid of some of it, keep some of it, whatever, it frees up your mind space. But another way that clutter impacts our, our emotional state is if you think about walking into your home, and let's say you you walk in through the garage and you go into your mudroom, and yeah. immediately you see, you know, jackets on the floor, boots on the floor, yeah. balls on the floor. Then you go into your kitchen, and your kitchen counter has so much stuff on it from yesterday and the day before and the week before. All right, what does that do to your brain? It really takes up space yeah. that, that that impacts how you how how effective you can be or how happy you are. I know when I'm sitting there and I see clutter, I just it stresses the heck out of me. You know, I've got to clean this up or we've got to do something to get rid of that. And then when you start attacking it, you don't want to throw out anything. <laughs> and then there's always the, the spousal uh, refusal to get rid of things. <laughs> well, you know, we, we do get attached to our stuff. And I just met with someone this morning, yeah. um, you know, a person who's been in their home for 40 years. Yeah. And they're they're getting older, and you know they're they're attached to everything. You know, so this photo means that this yeah. vase means that. But once you decide that I have to get rid of this and declutter, um, I work with people to help them get rid of that emotional attachment to stuff. Um, so for me, one experience that I had when I was <clears throat> decluttering and downsizing. I ran into a number of things that, number one, they made me cry because I thought, I can't get rid of this. Yeah. And one one was our father's alarm clock, 
which yeah. was one of those old dollar ninety nine Timex clocks. Yeah. And I remember crying when I said, "Oh, I can't get rid of that." But then I realized <clears throat> that it wasn't the clock itself; it was the memory of yeah, our dad I, winding it. And so, that's so you know, true. Your father has no use for it anymore. It's really not <laughs> no, doing you that much good. <laughs> yeah. Sitting there. Yeah. Well, uh, you but, confess you once owned eleven closets and nine rolling racks filled with clothes <laughs> of different sizes. Uh, please describe your ultimate wake-up call. What caused you to realize that buying and retaining all your stuff, in fact, didn't make you happier? It just made you more anxious and overwhelmed. I love that story about visiting your son and uh, what you discovered. In Senegal, yeah. 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 So it, it is embarrassing on one level to say that I once had 11 closets and nine rolling racks. But on the other hand, it, it serves the purpose of having other people wake up to say, oh, my God, I've got so many clothes, so many shoes, so many whatever. Then that's why I tell my story, because it, it's like going to confession. Um, but it, it, my wake-up call came, and, and it was, you know, I was very lucky that I actually had a wake-up call in my life. I went to Senegal to visit my son, who was serving in the Peace Corps. Yeah. This was now nine years ago. Oh. And I stayed in his tiny hut, and for one month I experienced people who had nothing, but they were happy. Yeah, isn't and, that wonderful? Just, oh, my goodness. I can't, I got back on that plane, and, and it was like I was hit over the head with something. But I wasn't quite clear what it was. But when I got home, and I owned a 5,000-square-foot home, and it, and it was beautiful. I mean, I had yeah. a lot of designer stuff over a lot of years. Yeah. But I remember walking room to room to room, and it was almost like the lights went out for me because I looked at those beautiful things now as objects, objects that didn't mean a thing to me. And so I felt very fortunate in some way because um, that was my wake-up call. My lights did go out. I didn't, those things didn't mean anything to me anymore. And so it took me a little while to discern that it wasn't stuff that made me happy. It was people. <clears throat> yeah. And so that was when I decided to downsize from 5000 to 867 And I gave away 95% of my stuff to people who needed it or wanted it. And frankly, I have never been happier. Oh, <clears throat> because now I, I do have more time, money, and freedom to do the things I really want to do, which yeah. is talk to people like you and tell my story. <laughs> well, uh, from your book, uh, which you know, when we talked last time, it had just come out. Now it's been a uh, an Amazon bestseller. Downsize your life, upgrade your lifestyle. Uh, you talk about how the prospect of downsizing is scary, but uh, every one of us wants to begin living a joyful, purposeful life. And in your book, you describe five things that are preventing us from living the life we really want. And could you uh, tell us what those five barriers to change are? So, you know, excuse me, number one, stuff gets in our way. You know, so when we um, have to go buy stuff, then buy more stuff, and think that's going to make us happy, that really doesn't. Yeah. And so once you can discern, it's not stuff that makes me happy. Once you can discern what makes you happy <clears throat> and and what doesn't. You know, and so, there's those self-limiting beliefs you mentioned that 
Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough to do this. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, so self-limiting beliefs. When you think about it, we all have had something happen to us in our in our childhood or youth or whatever that we told ourselves something that we yeah. came to believe. You know, that we're yeah. not good enough, we're not smart enough, and those limiting beliefs stop us from moving forward and having real happiness. Now, it's not to say those are going to go away. Yeah. <clears throat> But it, when you develop a muscle around saying, of course I'm smart enough, of course I'm good enough. Yeah. I, I think of a whack-a-mole, you know, those whack-a-moles you used to see at the circus and you yeah. smack it down with a rubber hammer. Um, so every time I hear myself say, I'm not smart enough, I smack it back down. Yeah. And that makes me smile. And then I stop, I stop saying that. <laughs> well, could you just offer a few of the ten steps you describe in your book to begin living the life you love, I thought those were excellent. Uh, like <laughs> trying something new each day. <laughs> you had a whole list of those. Yeah, um, actually, we have many, and there, there's a lot more on our website as well. Yeah. Um, so when you downsize your life, meaning you know you get rid of physical clutter, you get rid of <clears throat> mental clutter, and in my case, I also downsize my physical space, so I moved to a smaller yeah. apartment. Um. <clears throat> What I discovered is I now had more freedom to do what I want to do. So then you can upgrade your lifestyle. So then you start to say, well, what makes me happy? So for me, doing something different every single day, sometimes it's just taking a different road to work or, you know, calling a friend that I haven't talked to in a long time or making a new kind of dinner I've never made before. Whatever it is that makes you happy, doing something new every day. Another thing is I call it living on the skinny branches. So we all have comfort zones. And when you start pushing yourself out of that comfort zone and being on that skinny branch, that's where life kind of gets to be fun. So for me right now, I'm challenged by technology. I'm a baby boomer. I don't have a choice anymore about being able to delegate you know, certain technology things to yeah. my staff. So I'm, I actually have a mind shift about, wow, this is kind of fun. I've never done this before. I just yeah. created a keynote speech on a video, and then I uploaded the video. And I, I, I have never done this in my life. I would have previously depended on someone else to help me with it. But I said, no, I'm going to learn it by myself. Well, I love a couple of uh, the suggestions. Give back. I think that's so important to uh, really begin living the life you love. You've got to involve someone else and uh, be concerned with helping someone else's lives because if you're just concerned about yourself, you're really not Mm going to be happy for long. And the other one, live in the moment. So many of us are so worried about tomorrow or (laughs) what's going to happen next week that we ignore where we are right now and all the opportunities we have right now. So I like those, too. Well, thank you. You know, it's funny, Roy, when you say that, and, and, you know, COVID has certainly changed all of our lives. So those two upgrades to your life, when you think about all the good things people are doing, making masks or, you know, delivering free food, um, those are some of the give back things that we can do. And you you might be helping that other person, but think of what that does for you. It upgrades, it uplifts your life. And then the, the other one, living in the moment. So how many people 
are now discovering their families in a whole new way, sitting at the kitchen table, making dinners together, playing board games, doing puzzles. Yeah. You know, that's living in the moment. And, and the best place to uh, to preview and purchase your book, Downsize Your Life, Upgrade Your Lifestyle, is that Amazon? Is that where folks should go? Yep, they just go to Amazon, and, and it's a Downsize Your Life, Upgrade Your Lifestyle, and it's Rita Wilkins, W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to spend the rest of the interview talking about an exciting download you offer, the six-week decluttering challenge, how to win the duel over clutter and get your life back. I love that title. And, uh, <laughs> if you sign up for this six-week course, how do you receive it? Um, it's all delivered online. So oh, nice. once a week you receive a new challenge. Oh, that's and, great. Um, and there's there's work to be done, so you know you you don't get you don't get out of this by someone doing it for you. You do the work yourself. But we dig a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper each week to touch on a lot of what we've just talked about right now. So when you get rid of clutter in your life, and when you disrupt, you know the old way of thinking about it, you start to you start to discover a new freedom um, and happiness, and and also you know just peace of mind. Well, I understand you currently are offering the six-week decluttering challenge at a very low introductory price. And tell, tell our listeners how they can order your book. Okay. So um, in terms of the six-week challenge, um, it's called the six-week decluttering challenge, they can go to my website, Rita Wilkins, W-I-L-K-I-N-S dot com. And they can just click on there and they can order it. And right now we do have it for an introductory price of $20. Um, and if if you do say that you are from Roy's show, you know, if it's after, you know, next week when it expires, we will be glad to offer the $20 um, price. It will be oh, going man, up to $30, $30 after that. Yeah, yeah. And then my book is available on Amazon. And yeah. I would love that people read this and comment, <clears throat> you know, I'm learning from you. So when I hear back from people about the book or about the decluttering challenge, you know, I'm always working on something new, but it's always about what are you needing right now? How could I, in my own small way, assist you to have the life that you love? Well, I'm certain you'll all agree it's it's so revealing to uh, speak to this uh, remarkable lady, uh, Rita Wilkins, the downsizing designer. And I'm certain that not all of you are prepared for a radical downsizing at this point in life, but I'm also certain that most of all of us will benefit from going through all the stuff in our homes, asking ourselves why we are keeping it, and also making plans to eliminate all of the excuses and mental distractions presently hindering our journey to the life we love, and consider the benefits of owning and maintaining fewer possessions so you can make room for what matters most for the rest of your life. And I highly recommend you consider purchasing Rita's six-week decluttering challenge. It shouldn't prove too difficult to take on and conquer one challenge each week when the end result will be a life free of clutter for good. And remember Rita's promise, clear your clutter and you will clear your mind. Sounds good to me. And thanks to me and Rita Wilkins for joining us today. And thank you, Roy. And thanks to all our listeners. 
trust you are thriving, not just surviving during the COVID-19 pandemic. And join us again next week on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. We'll be right back.